Jamie from Stillmeyer Games. And as I tried to do last week, I'm starting a few minutes early right now. So we're not officially, I'm, I'm live, but it's not official yet um, because I want to wait for Facebook to send their notifications to you that I am live. So uh, the few things that I usually do, like in the few minutes before I go live, uh, I'm usually checking emails at the last second to make sure there's nothing urgent, like one just popped up. Um, nothing I need to deal with here. And I, uh, Sometimes get a few visuals together. I have a few on my desk over here that I'll show. And I turn off the lights because the lights get really... Uh, I'll show you what it looks like when the lights are on. Looks like this. Um, and it can be okay. Sometimes it's okay, but sometimes there are these weird striations in the light that, uh, that, that do some weird things on the camera. So I, I turn off the lights. And then the last thing I do is I raise up my desk. I have a sit-stand desk. And so I raise it up so that I am standing for the hour. Um, my preference is slightly to stand for this. And I check the camera. I have a, I'm working on a desktop here. So I, I check the camera to make sure that, uh, that it's at the right, that it's at the right height. Um, yeah, so a little, few little things that I check. And then around 10 o'clock, hopefully not much later than that, I go live. And that's where we are right now. So good morning, Dustin, Chad, Nathan. Thanks for showing up today. I'm happy to be here live. Stillmeyer Games News, I'm, ha I'm here to share it. <laughs> I'm here to, uh, to answer your questions, non-spoiler stuff. I know we have some, some big spoiler stuff coming next week, so I'm not going to spoil any of that stuff yet, uh, but I am excited about it. And, uh, of course, to, to discuss some random topics as well. See, Dominic and George are here as well, and Blake is popping in to say hi. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to preface this t today by saying that next week is a big big week. It'll be a big newsletter. It'll be a big uh, set of announcements next week. Um, some that you are expecting in ways that you don't expect and some that you're not expecting, but maybe you were hoping for. Um, I hope so. So I, I, I know the thing that you all are, know that I'm going to talk about a little bit next week is the new Tapestry expansion. And I'm not going to reveal anything about that today because, uh, because I'll be revealing that next week. Um, I will say, though, that I've really enjoyed this week working on a specific civilization in the Tapestry Adjustments thread on BoardGameGeek, um, the Civ Adjustments thread. It's a very, very long thread at this point. I wouldn't even recommend reading the whole thing because it's massive. I think it's 37 pages at this point. But there have been a few people who have been very involved in it and others who pop in and out with their opinions, which I really appreciate. And someone named Chadwick came up with a really neat idea for the alchemists, which is an existing core game civilization that is fine. Like, I, I think it's an okay civilization, but Chadwick came up with a really neat idea, and we've kind of been iterating on it and riffing on it, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy with the current version, but it might continue to evolve. It will go into what we're working on. What The whole point of this thread is to reprint a pack of some of the civilizations from Tapestry, and really, it's amounting to be quite a few of them, almost all of them, but not all of them, uh, with some permanent adjustments that go beyond just like a, a new, a, an extra starting resource or, or fewer starting points, that sort of thing. Um, there are adjustments that mostly try to balance the civilizations, but a few of the adjustments are there to make the civilizations more fun and more interesting. And some of them are getting completely revamped, as is, it looks like, The Alchemist. So I just want to say that I've really enjoyed that process, and I really appreciate the people who have spent their time and creative energy working on those revisions and, and helping me test them as well. 
See, people have been popping in while I've been talking. Donna's here. Hey, Tony. Um, Jerry says, happy, hey, Chad. Uh, Jerry says, happy New Lunar New Year of the rabbit. Uh, ironically, or coincidentally, we just saw a rabbit outside our, our house this, this, this morning. Um, uh, Heather is saying, I, hey, Heather. Efren says, will you make the viticulture wine glasses available in the future? Did they sell out again? We will make them in the future. Um, we usually make them once per year. And so, yeah, we do hope to, I, I will make them again in the future. Uh, I'll leave myself a little note about that to check in on that. And I'll check out the, uh, the back in stock request as well. Thomas says, oh no, I just bought the tapestry mat. Please say the new expansion works with the, the new mat. Donna, hopefully you know by now that I wouldn't release a brand new mat a month before an expansion that makes the mat irrelevant. That's something that, that is not at all in the principles of Stonemaier Games. Um, uh, so in, in any, any product that we release is compatible with all the things that we've already made and the things that we intend to make in the future. So yes, of course, the mat that we just released a month ago uh, is, is fully compatible with the new expansion and vice versa. Um, that might give you a little bit of hints about what the new expansion is all about. It is, it is much more of a more stuff expansion um, than any other previous expansion. So yeah, don't, I, I, I appreciate your concern, but no, we, we wouldn't do that to you. Josh is popping in to say hi. Hey, Josh, Mark, Mark just posted a really cool fan realm for uh, Planted, I believe is the game. Uh, for well, the game is Rolling Realms. The fan realm is based on Planted. It's on Board Game Geek and in the Rolling Realms Facebook group. If you want to check out a really cool fan realm from Mark, we were actually uh, playtesting some new promo realms for Rolling, realm, Rolling Realms as well. That uh, that a few people, including I believe Mark, are part of that playtesting process. Those are secret though. Tim Otep is here. John's here. Heather says she got the chance to show off Charterstone on Twitch. Oh, thank you so much for showing that there. And also played the digital version as well. I just have to say how amazing the game is. Such a fun, surprising experience in gaming. Thank you so much for saying that, Heather. Uh, it, was, it was one of the most difficult games that I've ever designed. And I'm glad that it has brought you joy. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that joy with other people on your Twitch stream. Feel free to share a link to that uh, in the comments below if you'd like. Jan Williams says, the size of the big box is out of stock in the, in the European store. Do you plan to reprint it? Yeah, we have actually started a reprint of the legendary box. I put this on, I put that information on our website. If you go to our website under the, the legendary box page, there should be a notification saying, hey, like we have a reprint in the works. Um, but as always, if you're interested in it, make sure you sign up for a back in stock notification because that will help us decide how many units to send to your region. It should be back in stock in like May or June, I think. Blue Falcon, this is Corey, he says, uh, last week of training, he says, we had a group of 10 people go to Ravenwood Castle. Yeah, I, I talked about that a little bit last week because I think Josh posted some photos about it. Um, and he says, uh, Josh even flew in from Colorado. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing weekend. And uh, some of those friendships started at Geekway, which sounds amazing. Yeah, I love the idea of playing games in a castle. That just sounds amazing. Efren says, I haven't played Wingspan yet. Uh, is there or will there be a big box with all the contents? Uh, no, 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 we don't do that. Uh, we sell things separately. Yeah, so if you, that way you can pick and choose exactly what you want and it's respectful to the people who have already bought several elements of, of Wingspan. So no, we don't do that. But you can easily go to our web store and put all those things in your cart and buy them. With the exception being that the Wingspan um, nesting box is pre-packaged. And so it ships separately, and so it needs to be in an order by itself. 
And so really, if you want to order all the Wingspan stuff made so far, you'll have to place an order for the nesting box and then an order for all the other stuff. Blake says, Caleb and I are pumped for the, ne for the next week. Uh, shout out for Smitten. His five-year-old daughter had a blast teaching her grandma how to play, and they had a blast. They played and played last night well past her bedtime. That's amazing, Blake. Five years old, that's, uh, she has impressive either memorization capabilities or reading comprehension because there is a decent amount of text on the, on the cards in, in Smitten. So that's really cool. Let me know, has she like, memorized the abilities for each card, or can she read already to that level? Either way, that's impressive. Corlin says, will I be attending Gen Con this year? Stillmeyer Games will have a big presence at Gen Con again this year with the help of Meeple Source. Meeple Source has a big booth there. I won't personally be there, but some members of my team will be there, including our latest hire, Dave. Part of Dave's responsibilities, including customer service and replacement parts, is to handle conventions. And so we're hoping to have a bigger convention presence in, uh, in 2023. In fact, I that's... Reminds me, I, I should have Dave write a uh, a post on maybe the Stillmeyer Games blog about what our hopes are for Stillmeyer Games this year, maybe the next year too, in terms of convention presence, because it hasn't been a part of our marketing strategy at all, really, except for us attending Geekway and our partnership with MeepleSource at Gen Con. But, um, and it probably will never be a big part, but we're hoping to have a little bit more of a presence at these conventions. And uh, I think Dave really enjoys that aspect of, of uh, outreach to people. And so um, I'm curious and excited to see what he does with it. So yeah, I might have him put together, well, he is working on a plan, but putting together a public plan so you can know which conventions that will be at in the upcoming year. There is a, uh, a page on our website that I don't know if I've updated, but under, let's see, about, no, it's under news and events and conventions, and I need to update that. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because Geekway to the West, the convention that, that Corey and, and Josh were talking about in the comments here, is a convention in St. Louis. It's a convention where you pretty much just play games, come for four days and play games. That is one that I very much do attend every day, and I just love to play games with people at this convention. And so if you want to come play games with me at a convention, come to Geekway to the West because that's all I do. I just wander around and play games with people, typically people that I don't normally get to play games with. So I try to step outside of my gaming group for the most part, my regular gaming group. Although I do, if they want, really want to play a game, I'm happy to play a game with them too. So, uh, and plus I just highly recommend the game, the Geekway in general. If you don't want to play a game with me, that's totally fine. But Geekway is just a really, really fun, welcoming convention. I would say as an introvert, it's welcoming for introverts. It's very welcoming for extroverts as well. And it's very welcoming to families, but also for individuals who who, um, who who don't have kids. But it is kid friendly, and it is welcoming to people of all ages. I've played games with people of all ages at Geekway and had a blast with them, and hopefully they've had fun too. So Geekway tickets are on sale right now. I have no direct connection to Geekway other than I love the convention, and so our games contributes a bunch of games to their play and win section, um, and uh, there it actually might be the first public appearance of of a new game uh, of ours in 2023. So that could be fun too. Uh, sorry, okay, I got the name wrong for, for uh, so Mark's New Realm isn't based on Planted, it's based on Verdant. I'm sorry about that, Mark. Um, I don't, I, in my head, the two games look very similar and maybe they do look very similar, but yeah, Verdant is the game that Mark made a fan realm for Rolling Realms on recently. Joel says that he had his side minis painted and put all in the legendary box. What a great set. Uh, that's awesome, Joel. Uh, 
I love seeing, I, I still, I'm, I'm so impressed by the wide variety of painting styles used in the side Facebook group for the miniatures in that game. Heather has posted the Twitch link here. Um, it's her and her husband playing, uh, playing Charterstone on Twitch. Thank you so much for sharing that, Heather. Krista says, I noticed some Rolling Realms dice with your name on it at Miniature Market a week ago. Were those the original design? Krista, yeah, this is, uh, the packaging is a little weird on this. Those are not official Rolling Realms dice. They are dice that I, I kind of approved for an industry friend, John, who makes custom dice in general. I approved him to make it. Um, I don't think I quite realized how big Rolling Realms would appear on the on the packaging, but I think they say something to the effect of dice designed for Rolling Realms, and the Rolling Realms has the big presence there. So no, the, the original dice, dice designed for Rolling Realms are the dice that are actually in the box. And uh, John made even bigger dice just for fun and to support the game. Um, yeah, so if you want even bigger dice, I have them in my closet somewhere back there, but they are, they're so big that I don't typically use them. Um, and I don't think they show up as well on camera as the dice that I have. But yeah, they are, uh, they, I was aware of them happening, aware of them being designed, basically. Mark says, any new Promo Realms announcement for this live stream? Uh, I don't have any to announce on today's live stream, Mark, no. John says, can the Tapestry play not be ordered at the same time as the expansion, or does it need to be a separate order? Great question, John. It is one of the prepackaged products that does not fit with other things. So the, it comes, the Tapestry um, playmat comes in a big cardboard tube that just doesn't fit into a package and nothing can really be attached to it. So it does need to be in order by itself. I'm sorry about that, uh, but uh, that's kind of the nature of, of giant neoprene mats. Manta, Mantas says, I just wanted to thank you about last year's April Fool's product, the Disc Golf Discs, which we still sell um, because people have still continued to buy them amazingly. Uh, Mata says, since then, I got really into disc golf and even reached 800 plus PDGA rating. That's awesome. That's incredible. Uh, what are some of your favorite courses and where, and where do you play? I, I still continue to love the game. I, I play every weekend. And that was one of the things that I did this last weekend, one of the games that I played in the last week. Some of the other games, I just played Clank Catacombs last night. Uh, my second play of Clank Catacombs. I posted about that on Instagram. I attended a, a little mini birthday gathering for a friend and we played... Uh, Art Robbery, which was new to me, Reiner Knitzi game. We played, uh, I taught Cat in the Box, and I taught Bullet. And Megan won all of the games. She won all three games that she played with us. It was Megan and I and, and uh, my friend Jake and his wife, Bridget. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that over the weekend. And I also played, oh, Betrayal Legacy on Saturday. We got in our fifth and sixth sessions of Betrayal Legacy. And we even have a character who has survived, Megan's character has survived all six games so far. So her character is now 199 years old in terms of the game, which you don't have to do, but we're just doing that for fun. Um, I'll, I'll get to my visual in a second. Let me answer a few more questions and then I will get to that. So Jerry says, to celebrate the Lunar New Year thematically, I got the chance to play an obscure race game, uh, obscure game, Race for the Chinese Zodiac. It's a simultaneous action selection game with a wheel rotated each round to determine action benefits. That sounds cool. You play as one of the Zodiac animals with a hidden power. This is a hidden gem for me. What is a recent theme-heavy hidden gem for you? And I will say, that sounds really cool, Jerry. I kind of want to check out, check out that game now. Um, recent theme-heavy hidden gem for me. Well, one game that I talked about that, uh, that that was new to me, that was a pleasant surprise, or I, I kind of expected it would be pretty good, but Champions of Midgard, I got to play recently uh, for the first time, 
and I posted about it on on uh, Tuesday, yesterday, yesterday's video, and I really enjoyed it. And it, it's a, a very kind of theme first worker placement game in my opinion, and I really had fun with it. So uh, I don't think it's necessarily a hidden gem, but uh, but it was a hidden gem to me because I hadn't played it before. I like that question though. What, if anyone else has a has an answer to that question, a hidden gem that is theme heavy, theme first game, uh, let us know in the comments here. Chad says he recently taught, taught a five-player game of Wingspan to some new friends. When scoring, I noticed the tie scoring on the round goal track is a little more complex than other games. I agree with that. Tied players are divided by the sum of squares skipped. Was this designed so higher player counts score closer to each other? You know, it takes me way back to the design. I think it was like 2016 when Elizabeth was trying to figure that out. And I can't even remember exactly why we chose that, that tied scoring. At the time... There, there was a reason. There was definitely a reason for it. Um, and I think it was tied more to player motivations, like how much to motivate a player to push ahead of another player on that relative scoring track. But in hindsight, it, it probably isn't one of my favorite things about, about Wingspan because it is a little bit more complex than it needs to be. Um, I, I generally prefer friendly scoring in games like that. Dusty says that Geekway is welcoming to introverts. It definitely is. I'm already nervous about attending. I think it really is. So the, the way that I explain that is the first time I attended Geekway, I was very nervous about going to, you know, a big, a big place, a big group of people that I didn't know. And, that, and I wondered if anyone would want to play a game with me. Um, that, that's kind of my social anxiety slash introversion uh, running through my head. But I found two things. One, I found that people were like actively like inviting, like you, you could just walk around and people are looking for players for games and they can either signal that with a big, big wooden meeple on their table, which Geekway hands out. Um, or they're just, I found that people were surprisingly welcoming to just like call people over and say, hey, like if you pause at a game to look at it for a few seconds, um, someone might say, hey, do you wanna play with us? And that happened way more often than I thought. Um, and the other thing is that I kind of gave myself a job because I saw other people doing this of, stopping by various tables for people who were learning games and being like, and if it was a game that I knew and that I loved, I would say, oh, do you guys need some help learning this? And so I think introverts benefit from having a job like that. And so by giving myself that job of, oh, I'll help people play random games that I enjoy. And that made it a, a much friendlier convention as well, because people were very welcome to do that too. Instead of learning a game from a rule book, which a lot of people do at Geekway, um, they had someone there to teach. Um, yeah, so that, that worked out for me pretty well. Joel recommends staying in the Hilton in St. Louis, not the AC Hotel West End. Trust me on that one. I can't, I can't vouch for that, but we can trust Joel's thoughts there. Chad says, have you, have you received a lot of Wingspan fan art? The last time I checked, I, we received 30 of them. Um, this is the, the Wingspan fan art challenge where anyone can, uh, uh, can uh, submit a fan art of a bird that exists currently in Wingspan or any of the expansions, and we will consider it for a special promo pack of cards for Wingspan, the same exact, exact cards, but featuring um, featuring art for Wingspan, Wingspan birds created by you. And uh, I, yeah, last last count, I think we've received 30, but uh, the deadline isn't for a few more weeks. So I, I'm guessing we'll receive quite a bit more than that. I'm really encouraged by that. Tom says, I really want to buy Euphoria, though I didn't during the flash sale, but your comments about the teach being difficult is putting me off as I'm the main teacher in the group. How hard is it to learn? So Tom, I have a, 
it is the most difficult, I think it's the most difficult game in the Stonemaier Games collection to teach. And it's because of the interconnected systems and Euphoria. However, I kind of go out of my way in the rulebook and with a video on our website to show you how to teach the game in a way that works really well. So I would recommend watching the video on, uh, on our website for, by me. There's a video, I think it's like five or six minutes of me explaining how to teach Euphoria. And if you watch that and you're like, this just isn't going to work for my group, don't get it. But if you watch that, I think that video helps, um, really helps explain how to teach Euphoria in a way that doesn't take that long and makes it fairly easy to players to, for players to start taking turns within a few minutes, which is my per preferred style of, of play. Um, that way they're not sitting through a long rules explanation that have all these interconnected systems. So um, yeah, check out that video and see, see what you think. Chad says he backed the Marvel United Kickstarter. He says, I'm particularly excited for the huge Galactus miniature. I plan to display him on my bookshelf when not playing the game. Do you have a game piece that you love so much that you display it? Huh. I don't think I do have it. I'm looking at my game shelf over here. Um, I do have uh, this image back here on the wall. This is, here, I'll show it to you. This is Red Rising art from illustrator Miles Bensky, illustrator and friend Miles Bensky. Uh, that, uh, that Miles gave to me. Uh, so this is a piece of art from a game, and I do have some wingspan art and some scythe art on the wall as well. So that's probably the closest that I get to a component that I that I display. I'll answer a few more questions, then I'll show the fun visuals that I have over here. Michael says, do you think that as new games hitting the market continues to grow and gamers' storage space shrinks, that consumers may become more discriminating in their purchases in the future? Um, the answer, I think, definitely is yes, Michael. Um, in fact, on our demographic survey from last year, over 50% of people said that they are in the, uh, what did we call it? Um, you know, I'll look up what we called it. Uh, a phase of their gaming collection. Yeah, here we go. It's not the culling phase. What do we call it? Okay, the refining, enhancing phase of their gaming uh, gaming hobby. So. The my conclude that's a broad top broad uh, category, but the the general conclusion that I derived from that, especially after talking to people, is that it meant that people are still buying games, but they're also going deeper into games that they already love, like buying expansions for those games. Um, but they're also just being a lot more discerning about the games that they choose. So if they already have a few worker placement games that they really enjoy, and they hear about a new worker placement game, they might be interested in it, but that might mean that they need to get rid of a game from their collection, or if the game doesn't intrigue them more than the games, the worker placement games they already have in their collection, they may not consider it. So I think there is still plenty of space for new games, new innovations within games in particular, new unique games. But uh, I think quite a few people now in the gaming hobby are uh, are at that stage of, of, of refining and enhancing it, at least according to our demographic survey. That said, that demographic survey is sent out to people who are already following a gaming company. So there are always new gamers entering the market. So there's always new people entering the market. And I think we can be more welcoming and inclusive to those people because those are the people that are, that are, I don't know, in some ways, the future of the gaming hobby. Those are the people who are discovering games for the first time and going deep into certain games or expanding a certain mechanism, certain theme that they want to explore. And I think that's, that's really exciting too. I want to be able to appeal to those people and listen to those people as well. Tony says, let's get some business addressed. And after this, I'll do my reveal so I don't forget. Um, and this isn't a reveal for some of our games. It's just a fun visual. Uh, chocolate of the day. What is my chocolate of the day? I have a, a mocha coffee here from Coffee Stamp in St. Louis. And the reason I have that actually is that 
we recently, um, very recently, um, thanks to new coworker Dave, have started renting a co-working space. There's a big building in St. Louis called Nebula, and they it's a giant co-working space where they have some open co-working spaces where you can just come and rent a desk for an hour if you want. But they also have uh, private offices in the building, and so we have rented one of those private offices. Most of us will continue to work from home, but Dave handles replacement parts, and so um, Dave is going to work out of that that private space. And we're we're gonna I'll probably go into that office maybe once a week. Most of my work will still be from home, but I might go there once a week for play tests, things like that. And so it's kind of exciting that we have a little co-working space for the first time. Um, and it was right near coffee stamp where I got this mocha. How is Biddy's teeth and mouth? I appreciate you asking, Tony, but I think it's completely better now. Uh, he <laughs> Biddy only has eight teeth left, my my little 16-year-old cat. And uh, but he's he's hanging in there. I, I, not even hanging in there. I think he's thriving. I think he's in a lot less pain now. He doesn't seem to notice that he doesn't have those teeth. And he's even lost some weight, but not so much that we're worried about his uh, his caloric intake. He's eating happily anything that we give him. It's just that we've really stayed away from giving him hard food now. And that means that his uh, the carbs that he consumes have gone down. And he has gotten down to around 15.5 pounds, which is great for Biddy. And last, how is Megan's bedroom or bathroom situation? It's much better now. So Megan had a burst pipe in her bathroom in our, in our condo. And um, thanks to Megan's brother, the, well, some plumbers fixed the pipe. Thanks to Megan's brother, it's fully insulated now, much better insulated than before. And the, uh, the drywall is now up and we just need to paint. So it's, it's looking much, much better now, which the timing came really well because it snowed in St. Louis overnight and will continue to be cold for about the next week at least. So let me finally show you these visuals that I built up way too much. It's just some new games that I received that I'm really excited about. Um, Blazon, I think that's how you say it, is a game about building a family crest, a theme that I am so, so excited about. It's a Euro game about building a family crest. I'm so excited about this game. Can't wait to play this. I'm also incredibly excited for, I think it's pronounced Edewa. That's how uh, Rado was pronouncing it. But this is a game about, uh, from Uwe Rosenberg, about um, bat poop, essentially. I'm really, really excited to play this game. And um, in a rare exception, I usually do not accept games from other publishers, but this is a game that I've been very, very curious to play, especially as I continue to design my open world game. This isn't quite an open world game, but it has some aspects of it that I am very curious about. But a publisher reached out to me and asked if they could send me a copy of their game. And I very, very rarely say yes to that. Usually I only um, say yes to games that I buy or that a friend owns. But I said yes to this one just because I did, and I'm human, and I wanted a copy of Oathsworn. And so the publisher very kindly sent me the most basic version of Oathsworn. I didn't want anything fancy. But even the most basic version came in a very big, heavy box uh, that I am really excited to get to the table and try out for a few sessions. I, I doubt I'll play the full campaign, but... Um, but I'm very curious to try it out and see how it goes. So those are the, ga the newest games that I just received that I'm really excited to play. And even though I have all these, uh, the, the games that I'm, I'm playing in the nearest future are a game called Cosmic Frog. I think that'll be the next game that, um, that, I, that I play in person. And tonight on a, a virtual game night, I think we'll end up playing Century Gollum Edition on Board Game Arena. What have you all been playing? What have you been playing this week or this weekend? Have you, are you interested in any of these games that I just showed you? Or are there any others on your table right now or getting to your table in the near future? Yeah, let me know in the comments here. Uh, George asked a bit of a spoiler question. Uh, I know this isn't your intention, George, but George says, so next week we'll have the pre-order or will it come 
a few weeks later. So generally, George, our method is that we announce a new product and we reveal things about that product over the next few weeks. And then after usually around four weeks, we launch the pre-order for that product. That is our usual method. I'm gonna remain a little bit vague about what exactly we're doing next week though. Monta says that he plays disc golf in Lithuania and he says where he, li where he lives, um, there's a three day Latitude 64 disc golf festival in Latvia. Oh, really cool. So looking forward to that. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Disc golf, getting into disc golf has made travel more interesting to me. Um, I already enjoy travel to a certain, a certain extent, especially if there's a fun destination and good food and good people where that destination is. But having disc golf as part of the things that I can do makes travel really fun. Because if I ever go to Lithu Lithuania, I want to play on some disc golf courses there because they're going to be very different than the courses that I usually play. So, um, yeah, something that I found that I, that a hobby that complements travel really well, in my opinion. Jerry says, curious if you have played Welcome to the Moon. I haven't played Welcome to the Moon. He says he had the chance to play for, for the first time a couple weeks ago, and he is very impressed by what the relatively small box had to offer. I played uh, Welcome to Your First Home. I think that's the original game. I played that a bunch of times. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to try out Welcome to the Moon. I've heard some good things. Mark says, I had an anime convention this past weekend and they had a few played away games they said were donated by the publisher. I got to try Rolling Realms for the first time with his wife and we loved it. Yeah, yeah, we we donate uh, play and win games to many, many different conventions that fill out a play and win form on our web website. Um, so if you are interested in going to conventions that feature play and win, you might check out that Google Doc at some point. And for those of you who don't know what play and win is, it means that there, there are games that a convention has set aside often donated by the, pub, by the publisher, but often also bought by the convention to offer a better experience for those who are attending. And you can check out the games from, from that play and win library, play it, play the game, and then put your name essentially in a, in a hat, uh, make yourself eligible to win that game, the game that you played, that you learned and played at the end of the convention. Ideally with you only winning one of the games that you played so that everyone has a better chance at winning something. Um, Efren says, what's your favorite choose your own adventure book series? Oh, that takes me back to my childhood. I like the original choose your own adventures, the series that I played, but I don't remember the names of the books at all. Uh, Roberto says, I'll have to make a trip to cut your hair one day. Roberto is a professional stylist and uh, I, I, he does actually a series on, on his YouTube channel where he shows, he has conversations with people while he, and people in the gaming industry because Roberto is also a big gamer. Um, of him cutting their hair and having a conversation about gaming and life and things like that. I would love to do one of those with you someday, Roberto. Simon says, uh, what do you think make of the whole Wizards of the Coast D&D drama? Uh, it's, it's too big almost for me to fully comprehend. Um, but it, it, overall, it sounds like maybe they really should have talked to a lot of people in that they that their game, who, people who love their game and do things involving their game before they released the initial statement. And now they're kind of backtracking it. Uh, as a game publisher, my hope and what I think is that their hearts were overall, I don't even know, I can't even assume where their hearts are. I hope they were in the right place. Um, it's a tricky balance between protecting your intellectual property, but also encouraging those who want to create cool stuff within that intellectual property. And in general, I think it's great to have those conversations with a lot of people before you release a, a statement that can be blown out of proportion. Uh, and not even blown out of proportion, but a statement that uh, that can turn people off from your game um, unintentionally. Yeah, 
it's too big for me to cover here. And I don't even know how I can, um, how I can talk about because I, I think it takes a fair, a fair amount of legalese now at this point to fully understand what's going on with it. But I'm happy to hear people's opinions here if, if anyone has gone deep into researching the Wizards of the, of the Coast D&D OGL. Dusty says, will we be getting a February e-newsletter next Wednesday or will it be later in the month? Yeah, we'll, we'll get a new newsletter on February 1st next Wednesday. Yeah. Chad says, those office communities like the one at Nebula and St. Louis that I mentioned are really neat. They're usually a lot of very interesting businesses at those locations. Yeah, I don't really even know what other businesses are at this particular location, but uh, but there are a lot of people that seem to use that space. Good morning, Carol. Thanks for popping in today. Uh, Timo Tep, that he said that he also just got Blaze On, one of the games that I shared that I just got yesterday and that I'm really excited about. And he says, the rules book is fantastic. The rule book is fantastic. Really excited. Excellent info, info about heraldry. And Carol's excited about Oath Sworn. Uh, Chad says, you could totally use that rat miniature on your coffee table. I actually had the standy version of it. So I asked for the most basic version of it. And so it does come with character miniature, miniatures, I think. But I think the bad guys in the game are standees in it. I could be wrong about that. But that was just for me kind of pulling stuff out of the box a little bit. People are mentioning some of the games that they're playing right now. I see Oros, Stationfall, Maracaibo, Beer and Bread, Arc Nova. Some great games here. Um, Etowa, Jan Williams says, I was really impressed that Uwe Rosenberg took the theme of his game from the African country, Ghana. And it, as far as I can see from reading through the rule book and listening to Rado talk about it, uh, Uwe went really deep into the research of, of, of this game um, and wanted to bring to light, and really through the mechanisms of the game and the theme of the game, some, some issues, but also some... Um, there's, there's a lot about bats, apparently, that, that really play into this theme and how they tie to economic issues in Ghana. Um, and some superstitions about bats in, in, as well. So if you're curious about that, watch Rado's, Rado's final thoughts on Etowah. This is the game that we're, I'm talking about here. He has some really interesting final thoughts about this game. John says that he set a new record for playing Terraforming Mars. He says they played uh, 10 rounds in just over an hour. That is a very fast game of, of Terraforming Mars. One of the reasons that I really haven't played Terraforming Mars in quite some time, a game that I do enjoy, is uh, is the game length. I, I don't think I've ever had a game last go under like two and a half hours, and usually it's around three hours. A lot of people are talking about the games that I won't read them all out, but there's a lot of chatter in the comments about games that people are playing right now. I see some great games here. Justin says that he popped in to say hello. This is my first week inside his office job um, in nearly three years, and it's been a huge adjustment so far. So are you saying inside, like the, the actual office, like going into the office? Um, and how do you feel about that, Justin? Do you feel like you needed to go back to the office to do your job well? I think uh, I know my answer to that question in general, but I, I know people, everybody has their own opinions about that. Um, Carol says, is there a specific game plan for your game night tonight? Yeah, I think we're thinking Century Gollum Edition for our virtual game night on Board Game Arena tonight. I think that's what what will happen tonight. Dusty says, regarding Choose Your Own Adventures books, I remember there was a series called Lone Wolf that would let you take your character from book to book and it got stronger each game. That's pretty cool. Um, sorry, Facebook just scrolled past it. I love that mechanism. I'm not sure if it would hold up today, but it was magical back then. I can totally see that. I don't remember playing that version of the book, but that sounds awesome. Uh, okay, uh, let me jump over to my topics real quick, then I'll come back for, for comments and questions. 
talked about a little bit for those of you who are just tuning in now that I'm not really spoiling anything for next week, but next week will be a, an e-newsletter uh, episode where there is some very, very big news on a couple different topics. So that's next Wednesday will be a, kind of a, a very big announcement. Make sure to stay tuned to our e-newsletter and this livecast next Wednesday. Um, oh, I had a funny, well, not, I guess it's somewhat funny to me. I tried to make a special dessert for Betrayal Legacy last week. Um, I wanted to make brownies, but I wanted to elevate the brownies a little bit. I wanted I wanted to, like an easier dessert, so brownies from a box, but I wanted to elevate it a little bit by adding coffee to it. So I used coffee instead of water. And then I thought, oh, what if I add, what if I make icing, but I elevate the icing as well, but I don't want to make icing from scratch. And so I Googled how to elevate uh, a can of icing and how to make that better. And so I bought a can of icing and I bought some, some whipping cream. And the intention was to, uh, you can add, make that icing more fluffy, apparently, if you whip whipping cream into icing. But apparently the right way to do this is to whip the cream first and then slowly add the icing to it. Um, what doesn't work as well is if you try to stir in the whipping cream into a full can of icing um, in, in, a, in a container, but try to whip them up together. That doesn't work. And it doesn't work if you add coffee, liquid coffee to it as well. I should have added uh, like instant coffee to it because I wanted to add a coffee flavor to this whipped icing. And basically we ended up with a chocolatey coffee soup um, that we created hot cocoa out of instead of putting it as icing on the, on the brownie which was, uh, so essentially Betrayal Legacy, we were betrayed by this, this fancy idea that I had for, for making icing um, that ended up okay. The, the, the drink, the resulting drink was very sweet. It was a little bit too sweet for my taste. And we added a little sugar to it. Um, we diluted it a little bit, but it was, and even the coffee um, didn't, didn't help. But yeah, I would recommend... Uh, just go in with the can icing. There's no reason to make it any fancier than that. It, can icing is perfectly fine. Eric says, I really want to buy Viticulture for my friend that is a casual gamer and is totally green to worker placement games. Would you recommend a simpler title with similar mechanisms that I could test the waters with? And or is there a learning mode built into the game that will get them up to speed? I think Viticulture is actually pretty easy to learn if you have someone there to learn it. Um, the 24-page the rulebook can be a little bit daunting. And there isn't a learning mode, but the game itself onboards you season by season into the game so you can really learn as you play you can learn how to play the spring season and play it and then play the summer season as long as you know that your workers don't uh you a worker that you place in the summer can't then also be placed in the winter um there are some learning videos that help and eric if you look on my youtube channel for uh games you might i, I can't remember the exact title but it's like games you might enjoy if you love viticulture there are some examples there of games that are that have the feel of some mechanisms in viticulture that might be a little bit lighter and easier for this friend to onboard themselves into the world of, of uh, heavier worker placement games medium weight worker placement games even so check out that video it's uh if you love if you love viticulture i might have said wingspan there um if you love viticulture games that you you might enjoy if you love um i'm gonna be i recommend these games if you love viticulture I think if you search around on my YouTube channel, you'll find that pretty quickly. Carol says, have you played The Alchemist? I have a few times. It's been a few years, though. She says, we're going to a game day on Saturday, and my friend really wants to get it to the table. It's a it's a, a, a brain-burning uh, deduction game, but it is definitely a very interesting game, worth playing once at least. Uh, that's The Alchemist. 
Chess, is any game in particular you're looking to play at Geekway? I think you usually have a list. Yeah, in fact, I, I have an ongoing list. Um, let's see what's currently on the list. So the game the list currently, and I usually end up selecting 10 of these that I really want to focus on. First Rat, Boop, Heat, Soulford Fusion, Revive, Horrified, Marvel Remix, Tack, Mindbug, Decorum, Encyclopedia, Mosaic, Rurik, Honga, Resist, Trekking Through History, Turing Machine, Undaunted, and Green Team Wins. So those are currently on my, I want to play these games at Geekway list, but that list I'll hone over time a little bit more. Mark says, is there another board game designer who is adapting the between two mechanism in their game and they plan, oh, if there is another board game designer who is adapting the between two mechanism into their game and they plan on publishing it, should they forward it to some of our games or the designer of the between two series? Um, there's no need to do that for sure. I think there's a couple levels of it that someone could do if they're doing this. One is they could send it to us and say, hey, hey like, I love this mechanism. Um, and I wanted to give you a heads up that I've, that I've designed my own game in this mechanism. Um, the two is if they don't want to do that, if they're not comfortable doing that, that's okay too. Uh, they could just put a little note in the, in the rule book saying, Hey, I was inspired by the between two series by Stillmare games. And the third level actually is also to make sure not to put between two in the title of the game, because I think that's where it gets confusing. That's where you are, uh, potentially really confused and potentially confusing people into thinking that it is an official game in the between two series. Um, and so I would just avoid the terms between two and instead just put a note at the rule book saying I was inspired by this by this mechanism. But yeah, there are plenty of mechanisms, so many mechanisms, pretty much every mechanism that is iterated on. And I think it's nice when designers credit their inspirations in the rule book or even just on their websites. I think that's nice too. Dusty says next Wednesday is big for me for a lot of reasons. He's really eager to hear my February 1st news, but it's also the first day I'll be required to return to the office since March 2020. Another person returning to the office. I'm way less eager for the return to the office, although I'm looking forward to seeing my coworkers again. I work with a good bunch of people. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, Dusty. I, I, that would make me really anxious and probably frustrated if, uh, if that was a, a requirement. Um, and I should say, even though that some of our games is now doing this co-working space, I'm doing that because my coworkers asked for it. Or it was something that I proposed to my coworkers as something that they could do if they wanted to, because I have a few coworkers who are extroverted. They want to work in the same space as other people, something they really, really wanted. Um, definitely not something that I am requiring of any of my coworkers. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just an option for them to have there. And so I'm sorry for any company that is, that is requiring that of their employees, if it isn't absolutely necessary for an employee to be present at a specific place. Yeah. Tony has some thoughts about this too. He says, it's crazy to think about how the, the things in our lives, lives that have changed for better or worse because of the pandemic. Uh, Tony's daughter is a teacher. And since the, since the advent of remote learning, kids no longer have snow days. They now log in from home. That's interesting. Um, in one way, I thought perhaps board games might suffer because of the in-person aspect inherent to them. But on, on the other hand, online alternatives like board game arena have most certainly saw their businesses boosted by the fallout. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think we're still kind of seeing the impact of, of that. At the same time with the pandemic, like we saw board game, board game sales go up, especially early in the pandemic, because people weren't going out to do other things. They were finding ways to entertain themselves at home. And so I, I think that, and we've also seen kind of a rise of solo games, much many more solo games being played and many more games being focused on two-player play. Um, 
which, uh, which I think is uh, uh, neat to see more companies exploring that aspect of games, solo and two-player. Chad says, what, are, what am I reading lately? I actually did have this on my list. I'm reading Tress of the Emerald Sea by Brandon Sanderson right now, and I just finished uh, In the Shadow of Lightning by Brian McClellan, which I learned from someone who posted in the comments of yesterday's blog post on jamiestegmeyer.com. Uh, I believe Adam posted this, that Brian McClellan is a former student of Brandon Sanderson. And I didn't know that, but I noted in my blog post that that book, In the Shadow of Lightning by Brian McClellan, who I think is better known for his Powder Mage series, he, in my opinion, has a very similar writing style and writing quality to Brandon Sanderson. So if you like Brandon Sanderson, I would highly recommend In the Shadow of Lightning. It's one of the best books that I've read in quite some time. And I think it... it uh, lives up to uh, the, the pedigree of, of learning from Brandon Sanderson. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good book. Or at least I really, really enjoyed it. What are you reading, Chad? Chad, you always have some, uh, some good book recommendations. We're also watching, we just finished Mythic Quest season, I think it's season three, the latest season of Mythic Quest. We just finished that. And we are close to wrapping up the third and I believe final season of the His Dark Material series on HBO. A book series that I really love and but I've forgotten most of the details of, so I'm kind of coming to it fresh. And I think in the fairly near future, we'll try the other HBO series, uh, Last of Us, which is making a big splash right now. So what are you all reading and watching right now? What is, what is entertaining you right now beyond board games? Let's see. Carol says she owns both Encyclopedia and Rurik and would be happy to uh, bring them and teach them to you at Geekway, especially Rurik. Let's make it Rurik. That would be wonderful, Carol. In fact, I will, I'll make a note of that um, right here in my little list app that Carol will bring. Let's do it. It's done. Let's make that happen. I don't typically try to schedule specific times to play games, although one time that does work for that is if we want to schedule a time for when I arrive at Geekway. That's like the only time that I can say for pretty much sure like let's that i i can be there for a game because after that it depends on like how long games games last i like to be able to drift around and and uh end up in random situations rather than having someone like wait for me for to play a game at a certain time i don't want to make anyone wait for me um but yeah work sounds awesome let's let's plan on playing that thank you so much for offering that trishul says what thematic explanation do you recommend for why the workers are seasonal in viticulture summer ones can't be used in winter that's a good question trishul um I would say it's more mechanical. I would say that's more of a mechanical decision because, you know, thematically, like if someone's working on a task in the summer, they'll, they'll, they should be available in the winter as well. But uh, yeah, I, I would say that's more of a mechanical decision that you have these workers for the year and you have to decide, do you want to hold them for the winter or do you want to use them in the summer? Um, yeah, I guess I, I could have designed the game another way, but it seems to have worked well for, for that design decision, I think. I think it ends up being an interesting decision as a result of you having to choose when you are going to use those workers. Joshua is popping in from snowy Ohio, where he's working from home today. He says, are you looking forward to search for the lost species? I'm definitely curious about it. This is from um, uh, Matthew and Ben, the designers of Between Two Cities, Between Two Castles. They have their search for planet X, and now they have search for the lost species. I'm very curious to see what they do with that. And I also want to mention Joshua. This is a different Josh, but today is Josh Ward's birthday. And I want to say that because Josh has had a hugely, impact, a hugely positive impact on Stillmire Games as an ambassador for many years. You've probably seen him answering questions on online forums. And I just want to celebrate him today because Josh is awesome. He's really had a hugely positive impact on Stillmire Games through moderation, through proofreading, through a ton of stuff. And so 
Josh, I want to celebrate you today. You're awesome. Um, I hope you watch this. I know you don't always have the chance to pop in on these, but I really do appreciate you. Um, what else did I want to say today before uh, out of the topics that I covered? Oh, blog post and videos that I posted recently. On Sunday, I posted a video about if you have a game, if you're designing a game that has rounds, what are some tools that you can use to really lean into the concept of rounds? If you decide my game really needs rounds, but I don't re recommend by default, I think roundless games have a generally better flow to them. But if your game benefits from having rounds, which some games do, uh, here are 19 tools that you can use to really elevate that aspect of the game. That's my video on Sunday. On Monday, I posted about a, a relatively new crowdfunding platform called Crowdfunder. I'm not necessarily endorsing it at all, but I wanted to explore it because they reached out to me and I, I thought they had some interesting elements that differentiate them from other platforms. So I posted about that on Monday, if you're curious. And last Thursday, I posted about the types of things that you have to examine, or not that you have to, uh, the types of things that we at Summer Games have examined and processed and changed over the years as a result of scaling up. Uh, this was a question that came up in a live cast and I thought it was a great question and I answered it in, in, or tried to answer it in detail on last Thursday's blog post. And a few other little topics, but let me put back over here to the, um, to the comments. Chad says, from photos, I've noticed that you don't use a game table with a lower plane level. Do you prefer a regular table or have you, uh, or you just haven't felt a need or want for a fancy game table? So oddly enough, Chad, we have a fancy game table from Board Game Tables, but uh, Megan completed a very difficult puzzle a long time ago and it's on the inside of the table and um we've kind of even forgotten that it is a table that we can open up to get to the inside because that has been there for so long but we really should because the inside of the game table is really nice to play games on especially if you're picking up cards off the table uh it's a where's waldo 3000 piece puzzle that took her, her, megan a few weekends to complete um which is slow for megan she's usually she can finish a thousand piece puzzle in a couple hours usually um so that is currently on the inside of our fancy gaming table, and that's why we've only been using the top of the table for quite some time now. Uh, George says, when you're designing a game, at which point do you, do you start doing the cards and thinking about their design, assuming the game is more complex, not only a card game, how difficult was it to design the event cards inside or the encounter cards inside? I'm usually, I mean, everything kind of, mish, there's a mishmash of things together. I don't necessarily save a certain design about, of anything until later in the process. Usually it's just like when it's time to design some cards, I design some cards. For Scythe in particular, when did I start working on encounter cards? I, I don't remember exactly when I started designing, deciding that this was going to be a thing in the game. I know it wasn't early on. I don't think they existed early on, but I did... Uh, I did want to feature Jakob's art in that way. I want this first-person view of stumbling upon this scenario and and what what uh, what that visual how that visual ties into um, your choices at that at that place. I don't, it's been a while, George. I don't remember exactly in the design process when that happened, but I I think once I came up with the idea of having encounter cards in the game, I started designing them at that time. It wasn't like I designed the concept and then held off on actually trying them. I, I actively was trying different things with those cards right away. And I knew at the very least that I did not want them to be the type of encounter card where you pull up the card and you roll a die and the die tells you the result. I didn't want that to be random. I want, wanted the players to have agency over the decisions they made in that encounter themselves. I, I wanted that to be definitely something from the, pl the players could decide, um, not the game deciding for the player. See some fun answers to what people are, are watching and reading right now or doing. Uh, Cameron's reading Trust as well. 
Efren's watching Cobra Kai, the TV show. Victoria's watching Shetland and Vera on BritBox and doing Krav Maga. That's pretty cool. Chad says that he's finishing the, Audubon, the audiobook, not Audubon, audiobook for The Martian. And he says Will Wheaton is the, uh, the, uh, the narrator of it, the voiceover artist for it. That's pretty cool. John says he's just finished the first two books in the Bloodsworn trilogy by John Gwynn. John Gwynn is an author that I really got into with his latest series. I'm forgetting what it is, but it's kind of a Viking fantasy series right now. Um, I'm really enjoying that so far. Maybe, maybe that's the same as the Bloodsworn. Is it the same as Bloodsworn, John? I don't know the, the name of the series itself. Chad says he follows uh, Blake Crouch, uh, an author that Chad has recommended a few times that I really have come to love his work. And he just posted the finished scripts for the Dark Matter show that's coming. So excited about that. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Donna says there's an Apple TV show called Truth Be Told. It's a crime drama discussed on a podcast. It's really good. Oh, cool. Thanks for that recommendation, Donna. Mark is watching an anime called Bofuri. Um, a long time. Bofuri, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. He says, quite interesting where the game designers made overpowered hidden abilities in the game, and a single player kept discovering them and breaking the game. That's pretty cool. That's neat. Yeah, that's... An anime about a board game. That's really cool. Joshua says, Working from home means I get to watch his nine-month-old nine son giggling as he plays a tug-of-war with a Christmas, Christmas ribbon with one of our cats. Oh, that's adorable. Walter loves ribbons, too, so that would be very cute to see Walter having a tug-of-war with, uh, with cats. Dusty also watched uh, Red Tress recently. Oh, Josh is watching today. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Josh. I'm glad I'm glad you're, you're tuning in for for the birthday wishes today. Uh, and John did clarify the Blood Sworn series is the same as the Viking series from from John Gwynn. Trishul says, how are the biodegradable baggies working out? Any thoughts on the eco impact of fully plastic cards that we've seen in some new games? Um, yeah, it's tough to say. So Radlands uses plastic cards, I believe, or it's a type, I think plastic might be a part of the card. Um, and it's, it's still a pro and a con. Like you're using plastic, you're making something that's going to be around forever, but you're also making something very durable that people might be able to use for a long time. In general, we're still trying to reduce it though. And the biodegradable plastic baggies are working out for the most part really well so far. Um, there are two different, different types of bags that we use. One is really flimsy and isn't one that I think we'll use all that much in the future, but the opaque ones, even though people don't always like the opacity of it, uh, they hold up quite well, and I think they, they work really, really well. They're also compostable. The challenge with them is that we discovered with certain types of paint, like the red eggs in Wingspan, they they interact weirdly with the bags. And so they actually we didn't end up including that type of bag in Wingspan because of how these tokens, these, these uh, painted uh, eggs interacted oddly with that specific color of paint oddly with the with the egg with the um, the bag. So it's kind of a learn-as-we-go process for things like that. And now we know that certain colors act oddly with these bags, and we need to watch out for that. Um, Chad says, do you and Megan ever glue puzzles together to hang on the wall? Um, I've never seen Megan do that. I'm open to her doing it. I think that the, our walls have space for, for some, some beautiful puzzles if she ever makes one that she wants to put up on the wall. Chad says, his wife and him are totally doing that with the wingspan puzzles. That's really cool. I have seen a few people do that, and it's really neat to see that. And Megan, I shared them with Megan because Megan worked really hard on creating those wingspan puzzles. Uh, one of the things that, I, that has kept me busy, part of my job, is 
uh, we have a new game that we're working on and I'm trying to find the right artist for that game. And so it's hard for me to like truly envision what art is right for a game until I have some samples. So right now I've reached out to a few different artists. There, there may be one that I'm hoping for more than the others, but I reached out to a few and uh, have requested, have commissioned really samples of, um, of their art in the exact form that we need for this game. So that's a fun process to go through. A little nerve wracking because I don't want to feel like I'm leading on any of the artists. I want to be transparent with them. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I commissioned the samples. I don't want them to spend their time on something that we don't end up selecting. I want to pay them for those samples. But that's a fun process to go through for any games. So I'm going through that right now for a certain game. Um, and actually, that was the last topic. That was the last topic I covered. And I want to circle back real quick to Geekway to the West. If you do enjoy conventions where you just play a bunch of games for a few days, or if you're curious about gaming conventions, have never attended one in the past, uh, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, I would highly recommend trying out Geekway to the West in St. Louis. And I will be there. I'll be there just as an attendee playing games with random people throughout the event. Um, and I would love to see you there if you want to make the trip. I believe it's in, uh, in May, in, in the middle of May which might make it tough if you have kids and have school schedules, things like that. But you can also invite the kids, bring the kids with you because it's very, very fr family friendly. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mentioning it now because they do have tickets available now. And uh, yeah, it's just a convention that I, I really, really love the convention and I highly recommend it. And uh, people have come in the past, like last year I ran into several people who were like, hey, thanks for recommending this. I'm having a great time. And I absolutely loved hearing that. Andrew says, have you played Circadian's Chaos Order? I feel like it's really tipping the hat to side. I've played Circadian's First Light, but I haven't played Circadian's Chaos Order. So I'll have to check that out, Andrew. Let's see, I'll pull that up on BoardGameGeek real quick. Circadian's Chaos Order. Let's see. Six asymmetric factions battle for control of ancient relics on the planet of Re. It's designed by Sam or S.J. McDonald, Sam and Zach Smith. Let's see what it looks like. I know that Sam enjoys Scythe, so maybe there's an element there. Um, no, I haven't played this. I, it sounds like I need to check this out. This looks pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks for the recommendation. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put this on my, my Geekway list to try. Marlene, Marlene actually helped inspire last Thursday's blog post about scaling up. Thank you, Marlene, for that, that question. Uh, Marlene says, I appreciate how you treat artists. As one myself, I've been asked for free labor because people don't seem to understand how it works. Um, yeah, that's, that's why we commissioned the samples. Um, and it's, it's kind of a tricky balance a little bit because it recently came to mind with the Wingspan Fan Art Challenge, which is a challenge that we're doing to serve the people who have created art for fun for Wingspan. Um, but I, I really debated, like, is it the right thing for me to pay for the art uh, or, or not? And I decided that uh, it, because it, there's, it's a charitable effort, because it's intended to serve fans, and because we're going to give a free pack uh, to each fan who contributes art, and because it's a little bit more of a... Because I'm not actually commissioning the art. I think that's the key difference here. Uh, we have commissioned and already paid for the art for Wingspan. That's for Natalia and Anna, um, the fan art. Uh, a challenge is a little bit different. I, I'm not asking anyone. I, I'm not requesting specific art from someone. I'm not giving them a task. I'm not saying here's a deadline. Here's here's when you when I need you to make this art. This is a job that I'm giving to you. But it's still even as I'm talking about, it, it's a nebulous area. I, I don't know if we made the right call here. And um, and I'm curious what people think about that. Like, is there a difference between 
me commissioning art for Wingspan from Anna and Natalia, and of course paying them for that, and giving them deadlines and and that responsibility, that accountability, versus uh, versus saying, hey, like if you want to, you can submit an illustration that we will use in this product that we are going to sell. This is a product that we are going to sell, but we also are contributing uh, money to charity for the the copies that we make. It's a weird area. Here, and Marlene's already responding to it. She says, I agree that the fan art challenge is a slightly different thing than asking for art for your game. It's totally voluntary on the artist's part. Um, yeah, I think the voluntary nature of it is, is definitely comes to mind as part of it. Oh, and Marlene plans to participate. That's, that's awesome, Marlene. I, I look forward to your submission there. Chat says, do you teach art station for artists or is it basically who uh, teach? Uh, I don't know if Chad, you meant the word teach there. Re reach, teach? Do I teach art station for artists or is it basically who have done art in games that you have played? Oh, maybe you're saying, do I use ArtStation to, to find new artists? Um, sometimes, more often than not, I, I look at artists of existing games. What I know is a little bit of self-selection bias, but it does help me see uh, artists that I, whose work that I like, that I enjoy. But actually, it, it's not even, it, it, I do go beyond that, but sometimes it's recommendations. I often look at my own um, 200 plus artists and graphic designers I love list. And I look through different styles. I search for my notes within that list. So I would say I reference that list uh, more than anything else. But I, there are many artists on the list that have published other that have their art in published games, and that is helpful for me, for me to see like what their art actually looks like in tabletop form. Trish Rule says, "What are some games that you love playing in your group when you have seven plus players, apart from Between Two Castles or even the Scythe with the expansion plays up to seven? Um, seven Wonders certainly comes to mind. Uh, I'm doing a list in there if you." about five plus games with seven plus games just one comes to mind we played citadels recently citadels does play up to eight um there many of these games are actually on the other side of my wall they're sh typically shorter games uh the resistance we can play that at eight long shot the dice game plays well at eight uh, there's yeah those are a few that come to mind it's tough for me to do off the top of my head Wayne says the fact that it's for charity or part of it is for charity. It's not all proceeds are going to charity. It's just a dollar per copy that we make. Um, and you're giving them a pack. I think you did it right. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I, I hope we did, but I, I, I'm happy to hear contradictory opinions about it as well. Search. I see. Okay. Chad meant search, not, not teach. Dusty says, in my mind, I think you're doing it the right way. No artist, professional or otherwise, were asked to submit or uh, to submit art. It's optional. Yeah, it's totally their choice. I think it would be respectful to add their name to the card to credit them. Oh yeah, we are doing that too, yeah. On the submission form, you get to pick your own credit line. You can credit yourself, you can credit the you and the uh, the art style. The If you used a photograph for reference, you can credit them as, as well. And so your name will be printed on the card that uh, if we accept your art for the game. So, um, and that's actually something that we don't do for Wingsman. We put the artist's names on the box, but we don't put them in, on every card because their art is on every card, Anna and Natalia. Um, yeah. John does say that Citadel's place eight. All right. We've actually gone a little bit past 11 today. Uh, thank you all for joining me for this hour. I, I, I love hearing your thoughts, your questions. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you're excited about next week. Next week is going to be a big, big reveal day. Can't wait to, to share the news with you next week. So I'll see you then. I'll see you next Wednesday or before then on various forums on my YouTube channel, on Instagram, on the Stomar Games blog, places like that. Take care. Have a great week. See you then. Bye.